Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor. You can find me on X at Charles Chill FFB. Of course, check everything out at DestinationDebbie.com. Join the Destination 5 tier. Join the Patreon at Patreon.com backslash all gas. Join the Trades in 5 tier or the Heisman tier on the website, and you will get access to all of the bonus content that we do. And if you haven't checked it out, the new show that I have dropped weekly on the Destination Devi YouTube feed called Dynasty Portfolio Weekly, 10 to 20 minutes, a short episode talking about a portfolio theory topic. There's already been some good discussion in the Discord talking about different topics that I want to cover. So check that out. It's usually going to drop later in the week uh, once things have started to get settled in for the week and the cadence should continue into the offseason. And then finally, we are back with Destination Chill this week, uh, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube. Ray and I will be back. Um, Had had a couple weeks where we had to skip the episode or we had to move things around a little bit, but we will be back consistently all the way through the end of the season. And then following this week's show, a special guest in the Discord AMA will be Chase co-host of the overreaction pod uh, to get some takes from chase first time chase has been on the ama so looking forward uh, to that and then finally trades in five obviously everything launches trades in five tuesday nights 8 30 p.m eastern time on the dynasty trades in five youtube channel uh, and mannequin chill we'll be back next week with a mannequin chill the chain will i drop will later on in the week and then finally if you're not subscribed to the podcast feed, Destination Devi, and Wake Up with Ray G. Subscribe to both. Leave a rating and review on any of the platforms that you consume, Destination Devi or Dynasty Trades and 5 content. So let's get into part three of the roster construction series. If you haven't listened to part one and part two, I covered tight ends and I covered running backs, talking about how I would roster construct with both positions in a 12-team, start 11 1.75 tight end premium, 30-man rosters. 
So that was the base format that I decided to use. So if you have a different format, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners that are consuming this play in different formats, you can probably slightly adjust a little bit. But the reason I picked this was because I started with tight ends. And at 1.75 tight end premium, my takeaway and what the math says is that the tight end really doesn't matter that much. You still do not want to be flexing tight ends. But because the premium is high enough, it will create at least a market for tight ends. If you play in leagues where the tight end premium doesn't exist or it's very minimal, what you're going to see is a log jam at tight ends, which makes the roster construction at that position even more important, meaning you don't want to waste resources at that position because the league is less likely to say, I need to trade for one of the players that you have if it's your third tight end, even if it's a decent player. That's probably not the format where somebody is going to say, I need to go buy one of those tight ends. So let me give you a second rounder for Kate Otten. At least in 1.75, it puts enough respect on it to where there should be a market. So I used it for that reason, but obviously you have to adjust accordingly based how tight ends are treated in your league. Now, the takeaway was two tight ends. Go back and listen to the show as to why and how you get there, but two tight ends. The takeaway from last week's show, running backs. I talked about how the any running back on a 53 strategy still works, but I do think it was a little overboard in terms of how I wanted to roster construct into the offseason, but more importantly, into the season. Because ultimately, it comes down to this. If you have to start two running backs in your league, you basically need to patchwork together 28 starts from those running backs across the season, regular season at least, from week one to week 14. Now, there's going to be bye weeks mixed in there. There's going to be injuries mixed in there as well. But ultimately, you only need 28 starts. Now, are there going to be times where it calls for you to flex a running back? Yes. Are there going to be times when you have extra running backs in a week where you don't need them? That's where you can play the day trading market. Hey, I have four running backs this week because I got lucky last week with a couple injuries. I don't need them all. I'm willing to sell one of them, willing to give one of these running backs for a third or a third and a fourth. Or maybe you even get a second if it's somebody that the market thinks is going to get multiple starts. The idea is you only need 28 across the season. So more importantly, if you are in a league that is active and does play the day trading game and is willing to transact players at that level, random thirds, random fourths, maybe a second for a couple players. If it's an active market at the secondary level to where a bunch of those week-to-week, day-to-day deals go down, I'm even less worried about being able to fill those 28 running back starts. So I've tapered back the number of running backs that I'm interested in carrying. And sometimes you don't know what situations and or players those are going to be until you get into the season, which is fair. So if you wanted to cast a little bit of a wider net because of availability, I can understand that. But I settled on nine running backs as being the number where I ultimately want to end up being. And that's kind of hedging my bets. I don't want to roster every running back on a 53 as soon as the season starts. So if you flash forward to next year, you're going to get to week two, week three. There's going to start being a couple injuries. Bye weeks are going to be coming up soon. They usually start in week five. And you're going to say, all right, I have a bunch of running backs on my roster. I'm carrying three Ravens running backs. None of them are really getting any touches. You might have been doing that earlier. Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, Keaton Mitchell. After J.K. Dobbins got injured, people picked up all of those guys. If you remember, they already had Melvin Gordon. 
Keaton Mitchell was a rookie who was on IR, and they signed Kenyon Drake. So people are going, man, this is a wide-open backfield. I'm picking them all up. And then it ended up being Gus Edwards for a while, and really none of the other three were relevant. But it was the right process to roster any running back on a 53 or any running back that could be on a 53 from the Baltimore backfield. But you soon started to realize, hey, this isn't probably one where I want to hold them all in case they get opportunities. So the point being with last week's show was two tight ends. That's easy to understand. Nine running backs is probably where I want to end up being at the beginning of the year or right when the season starts. Because there's going to be some, I mentioned the Giants has been one this year where once you get into the year, you realize I don't care if they're on the 53-man roster. I really don't want anybody in that backfield. And then you get a preview of what would happen maybe if the starter got injured, a.k.a. the Giants. And you still don't want anybody in the backfield. So then it starts to become an evaluation of the situation that, hey, even if these guys are on a 53, they're not even getting up to the replacement level threshold, probably from a production standpoint, points wise, but also from a usage or touch wise. The team doesn't run enough plays. They spread the running back wealth to three different guys when there's a starter. The offense is overall bad. Like all of the factors where you would say, I really don't want somebody from that team are usually present with these types of guys. So then what happens is I noticed I started dropping a bunch of them. I would go through and say, do I really need to roster Matt Breida? Do I really, really need to roster Mike Boone? Technically, they've been on a 53-man roster all year. But early on, you're going, even if they get opportunity, and both had some opportunity early, neither really did anything. So once you've kind of seen the opportunity come and go, or the perceived opportunity, and sometimes it starts with, I'm not sure if I trust this, which that should be red flag number one at running back. And I know this is supposed to be a quarterback episode, but I'll get to that in a second. It's important to hit on some of these points that I didn't cover last show. Even if it looks like an opportunity is coming. If you're not confident enough in putting that player in the week, they could have the opportunity. That should be red flag number one. And the reason I'm talking about this is because this literally leads to the quarterback strategy. Because I got some questions after last week's show. Well, if you're cutting down on running backs, you don't like roster clogger receivers. You don't want too many tight ends, but you also want to fill out your roster. You know, you don't want to carry 22 players when you have 30 roster spots. What do I spend them on? So as you trim down the running backs, I'm increasing, and I found myself increasing the number of quarterbacks that I'm carrying. And the reason is simple. Quarterback injuries are, I wouldn't say at an all-time high. I think that's a little bit overblown. Uh, but in terms of how NFL teams are treating quarterbacks and how the production curve for quarterback has started to skew, it started to really flatten off, which means there are quarterbacks out there that have value assigned to them. Think of Derek Carr, think of Geno Smith, think of Kenny Pickett, those types. They have value associated with them because they are what? Everyday starters, every week starters for a team. They are NFL starting quarterbacks. Yet you look at their numbers, minus Geno Smith's massive game that he just had. Generally, those guys are not giving you anything better than if you just picked up a replacement level quarterback who's a backup and is getting a spot start. Like, no joke, I know it was a fluke, but Jake Browning scored as many points last week as those guys are basically averaging for the year. 
Now I get it. It could be a fluke. It could be a one game thing. There's no security, but generally how the market treats quarterbacks like Derek Carr and Geno Smith and Kenny Pickett, and especially Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr right now, they really don't have a market. Their market is defined by, do they have a starting job? Can I project that to be another year? But then immediately it's, they're not any good. So what does that quote unquote security actually mean? And to a lot of people, it probably means at least a second round pick. Some people may not sell a quarterback that's a starter for any less. Other leagues, it may cost you more just because the person that has two of those guys on their bench, they're not bailing somebody out, quote unquote, bailing somebody out by sending them a starting quarterback for only a second round pick. You know, it's very narrow minded logic. Well, what can I do with the second rounder? I'm never going to draft another starting quarterback at the 210. So why would I accept that for a QB? Now you can combat that by saying, well, look at the war data and tell me how Kenny Pickett is helping your roster. He's not. But I think you have to do that analysis and it creates a market in leagues where quarterbacks are basically just hoarded, but the people that don't have them see no reason to actually trade for them. So there is no market for those guys is my point. The market is very much who needs them right now and who's willing to buy whatever they are in your league. And if neither of those are the case, there is no market. So I don't want to be in that market, especially. I don't want to be holding low-end QB2s or high-end QB3s that are only assigned, let's call it second-round value, because they have job security. Now, there's going to be some where you say that was a bad year. Russell Wilson last year, that was a bad year. If you want to buy into that, At a slightly higher tier, that's fine. But there's others where you're like, okay, Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr in his 10th year, I probably know what they are. I likely know what track they're going to be on. I likely know what eventually is going to happen to them is that they just fade out entirely, and then I'm left holding nothing. So what do I really do with those guys? And the argument being, I don't want to be in the business of even having those players on my roster. And now here's the reason is because you can replace them much cheaper. You can replace them with the likes of any quarterback. That's a backup. You can replace them with the likes of any quarterback that has proven to probably be in a short period of time from a fantasy perspective, just as good as those guys. And I think it's very simple to see who those names are. And it's not, something that's overly complicated. But when I'm looking at how to allocate my roster spots, I'm sitting there and going, what is most likely to be A, an inefficient market out there in Dynasty in terms of people assign zero value to the backup QBs until they're starting? And then if you tell me Gardner Minshew starting for the rest of the year, his value now becomes the same as Derek Carr. Like it goes from zero to right up to the baseline and all it takes is opportunity. That's it. It really doesn't take much more than that. Maybe somebody has to see it once. Maybe there has to be some sort of an announcement that the guy's going to get multiple starts. But a lot of times at QB, it's just like running back, but even easier to figure out who's going to get the opportunity. Now, there are times where it's ambiguous. Jaron Hall, Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins, like, Things do change from a week-to-week basis at some times with different quarterback situations. But generally, you know, quarterback gets injured, they're out for the year, there are limited options. It's sign somebody off free agency, 
find somebody off a practice squad. If it's early enough in the year, maybe there's a trade. But for the most part, the backup or the quarterbacks on the roster, those are going to be the QBs. Now, it may drastically change the situation or the offense, and that is something else to evaluate. But I sit there and I look at the number of backup QBs that are currently in the NFL that I say, all right, over a short period of time, if that guy took over the job for a month and they still had the weapons that the starter had, they still had the coordinators, the scheme, the system, whatever it might be, if they took over the job, would I rank them above the likes of Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett? You know, if you go to just Fantasy Pros ECR rankings, and I know there's some inefficiencies in that, but if you look at just this week's rankings of the 26 starters that will be starting games, at the very bottom, you have Desmond Ritter, Bailey Zappi, Tim Boyle, but right above them, Will Levis, Bryce Young, Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr. Now, there's only 26 starters this week. So when you have those guys at 16 through 22, they're basically a a slight tick above the replacement level guys that are taking over their jobs this week. Joe Flacco, Bailey Zappi, they're they're a tick above those guys. And most of the time, people will just rank those guys lower because there's some bias, right? You look at some of the matchups and you're like, I don't know about Bryce Young at Tampa Bay versus Bailey Zappi against the Chargers, who the Chargers are one of the worst defenses. Yet Bailey Zappi is ranked below Bryce Young. Why? Arguably, they're the exact same thing on a one-week basis. And we're not talking dynasty value here. We're just talking pure rankings for one week. Because again, you're just looking for, if I've roster constructed and I have some QBs in that range, how much can I replace them for a much cheaper cost. And that's what we're looking at here. So we settled on two tight ends. We settled on nine running backs. That leaves us 19 roster spots to carry. And what are we going to allocate to quarterbacks? And I think if you look at what happens here in the next month or so, and I think this is a very important part of the strategy. And I was going to wait until the end of the season to do a off-season prep show talking about this topic. But if you're listening to this, And you know that in your league, and if you're in sleeper, it probably is guaranteed to do this. If you know in your league that waivers are going to cut off week 17, week 18, wherever it is, you know that waivers are going to end. You can't pick anyone up for the rest of the year until we get to draft time or when the rollover happens, whatever it is. Rosters are locked. You are stuck. You definitely want to go through and you want to find out if there are any backup quarterbacks that are out there because you're not going to have the opportunity to react until maybe it's too late. Now, there's going to be some that are going to be rostered, not going to be able to get your hands on them. There's going to be others where you're going to say, I don't see a path where that guy is a backup, but you never know. The point of this roster construction is very similar to last year at running back where you're just cycling through and you're saying, what I'm hoping for is by the time next year hits, there's an opportunity for the quarterback I'm picking up to be a backup. So, I mean, you go through some of the names and you see ones that are probably not rostered. You're probably not picking up Sam Darnold. You're probably not picking up Teddy Bridgewater. You're probably not picking up Mike White, Tyler Huntley. Those guys are probably already rostered. If they're not, obviously pick them up. 
But if they are, there's some other names out there where I look at and I say, okay, this guy can be had for free. And is there a path for them to be potentially a backup QB? All I'm hoping for is a backup QB next year. Not, not a starting job. Not do they have fantasy upside again? You may disagree, and I do think it's important to look at the war in your league. We've talked about four-point versus six-point passing touchdown leagues and how the war differs. You do want to have a pulse on how much impact quarterbacks are having in your given league. Now, most leagues, you always want to start a QB in the Superflex, but there are some where it's very detrimental if you're not starting a QB in the Superflex, meaning even QB 23 25. I'd rather be starting that than flexing a wide receiver four, flexing a running back three. And if we're talking to start 11 and you're in a quarterback dominant league, meaning the scoring dominates the other positions, you always want to have enough quarterbacks to go by, even when you have bye weeks, even when you have injuries. You don't want to go, I got to start Marquez Valdez Scantling in my super flex this week. Entirely suboptimal. So this is where roster construction can fix that. So go through, look at some of the names that are probably sitting out there. Guys like Jarrett Stidham could be sitting out there, maybe. Other guys like Jaron Hall might still be leaking out there. People might have cut him after he got his concussion, and it's clear he's not going to start the rest of the year, most likely, because he's going to be behind Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins. Jake Hayner, I see Jake Hayner sticking out there a lot. He's been put on ice this year. He's been the QB3 behind Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. But why can't Jay Kaner be the future backup? Future backup. That's what I'm looking for, right? Jay Kaner is one that can easily step in. Skylar Thompson, same thing. If you remember, Skylar Thompson battled Mike White for the Miami backup in the offseason. Now, he lost the job. He's been the number three QB. But there's no reason that you can't say, oh, Skylar Thompson could be the number two quarterback. If not next year, maybe the year after, but definitely could be very soon to where you're like, I'll roster him for one more year. And there's tons of names out there that are just sitting out there and people have just kind of forgotten because it's clear they're not going to get opportunity this year, but go through and just do an analysis of the backup QBs that are available. And we haven't talked receivers yet, but as soon as I give you kind of the general number of quarterbacks that I want to be rostering. It'll probably give you the number as to where you can play with the receivers. So we're at nine running backs. We're at two tight ends. Right now, I am rostering on average across my leagues 10.1 quarterbacks per team. 10.1. So more quarterbacks than running backs. Now, on average, I'm around 11 running backs per roster and total players rostered right around 34. So this is an aggregate of all my teams. There's some with shallower rosters, some with deeper rosters. But in general, that kind of tracks with the number that I likely want to be at. And that running back number is probably inflated a little bit. There are some running backs that are simply rostered due to circumstance and simply rostered due to maybe I'm holding them for one reason or another, or I was holding them from a couple weeks ago. But that number, I assure you, is going to go down. There will be teams that as we get closer to the end of the year, I'm going to say, do I really need to hold that running back anymore? Royce Freeman, do I need to hold him anymore? Sure, he could be on a 53-man roster again next year. But not the type of running back that I have any fear that I'm not going to be able to replace if he is. Or I'm not going to be able to just pick right back up. And it's almost a sabotage drop as well because that's the type of running back that 
if I cut Royce Freeman, someone else adds him before the season ends, they're now wasting a roster spot on him. And instead, I'm trying to see if I can pick up a backup QB. The last thing, trading. I think trading these types of QBs is a great inefficiency right now. If you're making any deals, so we're talking any deals between now and the end of the year, if you don't have a trade deadline, if you're in the fantasy playoffs and someone else wants to buy something, ask for the backup quarterback. And it's one, it's a good litmus test in your league because you try to make a deal. Let's say someone comes to you and says, you know what? You're out of it. I want to buy your Zach Moss. And you're like, okay, I will sell Zach Moss on a team where I'm out of it. Maybe I just lost this week and I'm probably not going to make the playoffs or I was right on the fringe. I had Zach Moss. That's nice, but I had an injury. I lost this week. I'm willing to sell him. Someone's willing to give me two thirds. I'll take them. I'll sell them. I'll give them to you for the rest of the season. The underrated part of that trade that I think you can get by with, and the reason I said it's a good litmus test is you counter that offer with here. I'll give you Zach Moss, but I need a third, a fourth, and I need Teddy Bridgewater and Mike White. You know, I need Teddy Bridgewater, and how about you throw in, throw in a guy like, I don't know, Taylor Heineke. How about you toss in... Jacoby Brissett, you know, throw in one of those guys, maybe ask for two, some deals. I'll just ask for all the backup QBs and people don't know how to respond to that. They don't know how to value those players. Most likely if you ask for Jacoby Brissett and Mike white in the deal where you also are asking for the third and fourth for Zach Moss, what I found is the person will likely decline the deal and they will say, I don't know if I can give those guys up. But then you ask them, what are those guys worth? And most people can't define what they're worth. They can't tell you. They're w- Immediately, and when somebody can't dis- define what an asset is worth in Dynasty, immediately what's going through their mind is, it's worth more to me to control than it is to put a price tag on it. Meaning it's worth more to me, and maybe they have Tua, maybe they have Jared Goff, whatever. Maybe they don't. But it's worth more to me to have Taylor Heineke on the bench than the price tag I would put on it. Because you would ask, well, what do you want for Taylor Heineke? Well, you know, how about a third? Well, nobody's going to pay a third for him today. If they announce him as the starter next week, yeah, he's at least worth a third. So the point is, everybody that's holding these backup QBs, they're just hedging their bets on it's quote-unquote future value, but more than likely, and here's the ironic part, is when the future value hits, people still aren't going to sell for that price. They're going to try to sell on the, well, Heineke's going to be the starter the rest of the year price, which is more than a third. So it's weird. People understand the value of the backup quarterbacks. So you have to get them in deals where at the time they have no meaning. It really does have to be a throw in to do a deal. And I think this is a way where you can accumulate these guys much cheaper. And if you're already leaning into roster constructing this way, and let's go, let's go with the number of, let's say 12. Cause I said, I have 10 right now across my leagues. I have 11 running backs that will probably flip 
like plus two and minus two at the quarterback and at the running back position. So it'll probably be around 12 by the time we end the year. And those running backs will probably be around the nine number. So really, if I go in two in each direction right now across my portfolio, I'm going to end up at 12 quarterbacks, nine running backs, which obviously is going to leave us at seven receivers because we already have two tight ends. That's going to get to the 30 roster spots. And we're assuming that everybody has to be within the 30 spot compliance. We're not going to account for expanded rosters in the offseason. We're not going to account for players not promoted off taxis yet people lingering players on IR until they're forced to remove them, you know, around draft time or whenever the league requires that you remove the players off IR. So from an optimal standpoint, 30 man rosters, 12 quarterbacks. And this is where you want to take basically the quarterback strategy and change it from last year's running back strategy to this year's QB strategy. Any quarterback that could be a backup or any quarterback that has a little upside too. There's some QBs where I say, I don't know if they have a path to be a backup right this second, but there's a window that people may not see them as the backup, but if they get in there, they could have a market. So we're talking low-hanging fruit at the QB position, but I think it's one where this is where I'm casting the net. This is where I'm casting the wide net going into the offseason. And here's the beauty of it, like running backs, but I think even more clear than running backs you know the outcomes of the quarterback position much quicker. So it's not even the equity of being able to flip these guys for a third or for two thirds or maybe for a second if it's the right player with the right situation when an injury happens. But it's also you get a quick outcome. Something that has extrinsic value to a decision or a valued piece in a dynasty league is understanding the outcome quicker. And if you think about that concept, if you roster any running back on a 53, you may have to wait, A, until there's some sort of disruption in the backfield, but B, you may have to wait for it to play out a couple weeks before you get a pulse on even what the situation is, and that kind of defeats the purpose because there might be a one or two week window where that's where you would need to use that running back, but I'm not sure, so I don't play them, hence I miss out on the spot starts and if they're bad, then it was a good decision. But if they're good, you go, damn, I'm kicking myself for not starting that backup running back because I wasn't sure of the situation. And the whole point of why the zero RB strategy or the any running back on a 53 strategy works is that you funnel so much value out of the position that you are so desperate that when a spot start opportunity comes up, you're forced to just take the risk. And sometimes we're not comfortable taking the risk. So if you found yourself playing the only running back on a 53 strategy this year, but then you also found yourself hesitant to put somebody in the lineup when it came up, that should speak right there to where you didn't get the outcome quick enough. You got stuck in this tough decision-making point, and thus the strategy didn't work for you because you missed the window of being able to start that player. At quarterback, you're going to know definitely through the preseason if not right at the beginning of the year, the first week when you see the inactives for a team, when you see who the third quarterback is versus who the second quarterback is, when you see who's getting the reps in the preseason as the backup, you're going to know. You're going to know the backups right away before the season even starts. You're going to know, all right, I stashed all of these guys over here. I'm cutting them. They're not backups. These guys won jobs. There's going to be half the quarterback jobs are going to be players you didn't expect. 
might win the backup. Rookies, guys that are signed that you always saw as not a backup, all of a sudden they're a backup next year. They will be available via waivers. So there'll be some cycling in and out that you can do, but it's a very quick outcome. You're going to know at all times who's the next man up at QB. And there's times where it's ambiguous during the season and you're rostering two backups from a team, and that's okay. But generally, you're going to have quicker outcomes in terms of clarity in the direction to head. And if you're already embracing this type of strategy, you're going to be the first one on picking up that perspective backup QB in the preseason before everybody else does. Before everybody else is rostering that guy because they go, oh, he might be the next man up and the quarterback just got banged up in training camp. Maybe let me go pick up the backup. No, I want to be the team, at least with what the war looked like this year with the flattening of QB scoring. Go pull up the war in this type of league for this year and just look at the flat QB scoring. Now, I don't know if it stays that way forever, but generally there has been more value in having those backup QBs and then getting to the market component, I've found, maybe this is just me anecdotally, I've found that this year there's more of a market for those types of QBs. And it's twofold. A, you create the market by how your roster constructing. I have some teams, I have 12 backup quarterbacks. And I've got numerous deals done because I'm holding the backup quarterbacks. I had Joe Flacco for a month. I've had Jake Browning since the beginning of the year. I've had Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins since the beginning of the year. Jets quarterbacks, once Rodgers went down behind Zach Wilson, I was picking up both Jets QBs. Anytime a guy goes down, I already have the backup generally, 80% of the time. Some don't work out. Brett Rippon, had Brett Rippon in 25 leagues, didn't work out. Got a spot start, sucked, got cut. Now he's cut from every dynasty roster. No reason to have him. But a lot of times it's, man, I have that backup QB. And it can be the most mundane players too, right? Is anybody excited about Mitch Trubisky? Anyone excited about Blaine Gabbert? Nope, but you know what? I have them in case something ever happens. And there's more equity in that than there is in holding running backs that are never really going to be somebody you will put in the lineup, even when the opportunity presents itself. So the defensive strategies here was what I think trumps the value of the any running back on a 53. The defensive strategy is why this is above roster constructing at running back this way. And what I've found this year is it's easier to net something for those QBs, especially as you play more in best ball leagues. Best ball leagues are tough because when you're contending, it's really, really, really hard to hoard a bunch of QBs. But when you're not contending in a best ball league, and I have two best ball leagues this year where I'm not winning, you better bet I have every QB on the roster. Every single backup QB. You're coming through me if you want Bailey Zappi. You're coming through me if you want Dorian Thompson Robinson. Because in best ball, the contenders don't want to roster those guys. They're weekly zeros until they're not. So even in best ball, it's not a strategy where you're going, all right, I'm going to roster a bunch of extra QBs. But if you're not winning, if you're not a contender, there's no reason not to do it even in best ball because you set the market. And worst case scenario, all right, there's no backup quarterbacks available to be picked up. I mean, no joke, there's a best ball league where I have 18 backup QBs, 18. And if I trade one away for a fourth, for a fifth, anything, let's go pick up another one. 
It's always going to come through me. And that's a way you can set the market. You can do the same thing in a lineup league, especially as you get into some of these lineup leagues that are shallower or lineup leagues where the quarterback scoring is really high or lineup leagues with really, really deep rosters. You know, if you have 30 plus roster spots, 35 roster spots, you know, depending on the number of starters, I mean, this is where you want to control the market. And then you get to the point where there's been times where, you know what, I've needed to throw in one of these backup QBs. I don't want to have to be stuck there, but there's going to be times where you have to throw in some of these backup QBs. So to leave this episode, it's a little shorter because I, I don't think there is as much to really discuss other than hitting on the point of the low-end QBs really are only holding whatever market value they do because they are quote-unquote predictable. They have some longevity. Maybe they start for another year. But generally, that's it. That is the only difference they hold over two dozen backup QBs that if they ever came into the game for a two-week window, you would rank them right there with the Derek Cars, with the Kenny Pickett's. They'd be right there in the same spot. They're the same thing. And one, you have to pay at least a second to get. The others, you can accumulate for free. And as attrition starts to build at QB, what will happen as we get closer to rookie drafts? What will happen after NFL free agency? You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones will sign somewhere. Oh, man, I got to pick him up. Got to pick him up. I'm going to cut Tyrod Taylor. Ah, Tyrod Taylor, he's old. You know, he got injured again last year. I'm going to cut him. I got to make those three fourth round picks that I've been holding. Let's see which day three receiver, which, which high upside tight end can I draft? You know, how about I grab Elijah Higgins, Brenton Strange. Let me grab him. Who am I going to cut? Ah, you know, I'm not sure about Kyle Trask. He hasn't taken over for Baker Mayfield. Not interested. I'm going to cut him. Bailey Zappi, Andy Dalton, he's been around forever, not any good, gonna cut him. So people will cut these guys. People will cut the backup QBs because they just don't see the path and they want to draft a fifth tight end, Elijah Higgins. How about Rakeem Jarrett? Pick him up. And I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but the idea is you will see inefficiencies when it comes to the use of rookie picks and how people roster construct as things start to move heading into next year. From May to August, you will see just absolute bad decisions in terms of players to drop and people don't see the path. They're not threatened by Brock Purdy getting injured in August. They're not threatened by this quarterback going down and the backup needing to start a couple games. And then when the season starts, it's, oh, man, hopefully I can get some of those backup QBs if my guy gets injured. Every week, a new quarterback starter down. Another one down for the year. Another one down for three weeks. You know, whatever it might be. So that's the takeaway. It's a strategy that the masses have not caught up to, especially in leagues where other positions don't matter that much, i.e. tight end, i.e. running back, quarterback scoring. Even if the quarterback scoring is, you know, sleeper default, four minus one, but definitely if it's like six minus one, even six minus two, you're sitting there going, I want to roster construct with as many quarterbacks as possible. And then it gives you flexibility. There's teams where I have two elite QBs, a third starter, and a bunch of backups. Who cares? The idea being I am dialing in the high-end value, and we'll talk about this in the next show with wide receivers. I want to dial in the high-end value in those meaningful spots. So I do want to attack that really high-end RB1 if I can get it. 
I want to attack a lot of the receivers that I'm holding to be in that top 30, top 36 or better range. You know, I want to be able to throw those guys in there every week and say every receiver I have on my roster has a 20 plus percent target share at any given week. They could go for 25 plus points. And then you really dial that in. You know, you don't want to waste. You want to be able to try to upgrade in those spots. And sometimes it's the cumulative value that you use having the excess QBs gets you a free second, gets you a couple thirds, which can help you grab a player. They can help you color up at another spot at a later time. It's an accumulation of assets. And I think the new way of playing Dynasty with what is happening right now, the new way to accumulate that more effectively is through hoarding quarterbacks. So the number was 12, nine running backs, 12 quarterbacks, two tight ends. That gives away the magic number at receiver, which is going to be seven, which is what I will talk about on the final episode of the roster construction series. It'll kind of be a recap of what a threshold wide receiver is, how you calculate that in your league, and then also kind of why seven is the number and why in this current market, it is a number that can be flexible or it can be used in a slightly different way than to just roster seven receivers. Because there are people out there that will listen to this show and say, actually, seven receivers is too many for a start 11. And I happen to agree slightly when it comes to what I need in my lineup. But when it comes to the market, there's a reason that I want to be at at least seven because of the way the market treats the receiver position right now. So with that, Check out everything at DestinationDebbie.com. The first two parts of the roster construction series, you don't have to listen to them in order. They build on each other, but you really don't have to listen to them in order because they are position independent from each. DestinationDebbie.com, Patreon.com backslash all gas. Subscribe to all the channels for the podcast, for the YouTube. I'll check out Trades in 5, the YouTube channel as well on there. And then the Dynasty Portfolio Weekly, I want to plug that again. That will be an insight. If you're a portfolio player, you you must listen to it every week. I think you'll really, really enjoy listening to that type of talk for about 15 minutes every single week. But even if you're not, and I talked about this on the first show, there's been two of them out thus far. The first one I talked about why you should listen to this if you're not a portfolio player. Because you may say, I'm never going to think that way because I only have three leagues. You have 50. But the reasoning behind it, I think, still makes you a better player. It definitely will make you a better player if you say, well, next year I'm going to add three more leagues. Okay, now you have six. Now you're starting to think a little bit about the six that you have as a cumulative versus I only have a couple leagues, and I'm not going to think that way. So check that show out. Provide any feedback if you want. It's supposed to be just short-form content where it can grasp one idea and talk through it and talk about how I'm actually applying it in my portfolio of leagues. And then finally, all the written content on destinationdevy.com. There's a lot of great writers on there talking about different topics, 2024 rookies, Devi players, IDP. There's a lot of stuff on there that I don't even talk about on here. So check out all the content creators over there, show them some love, share their articles, provide them feedback. And with that, go ahead and sign off for the week. Good luck. The rest of Week 13, if you have any matchups that are up in the air, hopefully they can help you move towards getting in the playoffs. But if not, know the direction you want to go. If you need to go the other way, go just as aggressively towards the bottom uh, as you are shooting for the playoffs. So I'll go ahead and sign off. Be chill. There's a rumor going down.